from the Willamette Valley in America's great Pacific Northwest. You are listening to the Ernest Mann Show, and I'm your host, Ernest Mann. No matter where you may be listening in this great, big, beautiful world, we all share. I hope life is treating you well. This is episode number 161, Social Policy, Want a Better World? It starts with this. We're going to talk about a uh, current social situation, and then we're going to talk about a little bit of history, and then we're going to talk about solutions. Um, this is something that is, um, bad and it's only going to get worse. And I noticed that the article, I believe it just came out yesterday from the Washington Post. And you can look that article up. It's the headline says China's first population decline in 60 years sounds demographic alarm. And I read the article and basically it was pretty much what I expected it to be. It was um, pretty much useless. And the reason for that was because it was disingenuous. Now, whether it was disingenuous deliberately or simply that they miss the entire um, overarching issue, I don't know. I'm not going to speculate on it. But um, it it misses the mark hugely and that's what we're going to eventually get to but in the meantime i wanted to tell you that what is basically needed here is a huge change in social policy now in order to have a huge change in social policy. One way or the other, you have to bring the people, the masses, uh, on board. Now, historically, this is done in one or two ways, which basically, again, amounts to the carrot or the stick. So, First of all, I would like to give you two examples of this, and there is a very good reason why I'm doing this, because it's going to tie in with what is currently taking place. But I thought it would be a good idea to set some kind of rational foundation so that uh, you folks can you know, decide for yourself based on what I'm saying and connect the dots, so to speak. So, once again, as I always say, give it a listen and see what you think and let me know one way or the other. So, anyway, um, this, I'm, I'm only going to touch on things um, in a in a very very topical manner because of um, well I didn't want this to be a three hour episode and unless you want to flatter me and tell me that gee I could have listened to you talk about this for three hours um, you know I try to keep I try to keep things reasonable typically about a half an hour. But if you want to hear more, again, just let me know. But 
this is something that I feel really needs to be clarified, and it certainly needs to be addressed. So here we go. Here is an example of the carrot versus the stick. If we go back to just after the turn of the um, 19, well, it was about 1915, and Europe found itself engulfed in what for America was going to become what we call the First World War. But at that point, we had not yet entered the First World War. We had Woodrow Wilson as president, and up until that point, we had had a uh, a very non-interventionalist policy. And basically, things were going good for us, and the American public, uh, you know, simply didn't want to get entangled in screwed up European conflicts or affairs. And basically, you know, it was a European thing. We're not getting into it, period. And that was the sentiment of the public and on mass. And at least at that time, um, even though the powers that be, the oligarchs who were in office, they were fully aware of this. And so it's really hard to, without a pretext, it's really hard to overcome mass public opinion, be it right or be it wrong. But um, fortunately for uh, Wilson and the, uh, the military-industrial complex and, well, the industrial complex in particular, um, they had a huge break. Because, you see, <clears throat> the thing is this. What they learned even long before this was that um, despite all of the rhetoric, again, that the uh, oligarchs spew out to the public, war is good for them. War makes already rich people a hell of a lot richer. They don't care how many, you know, soldiers, how many people die needlessly. That's not the point. The point is to, once again, make lots and lots of money. But uh, we really didn't have any, at least until that point, we didn't have public sentiment on, uh, they didn't have public sentiment on their side. That was till until May of 1915, when the a German U-boat sank the Lusitania. And um, suddenly, overnight, um, with a heap of a good heaping dose of uh, anti-German sentiment that was uh, put out through the American propaganda machine, um, we want from a... Um, you know, isolationist mentality to uh, let's kill the Hun mentality. It didn't take very long. It was like, I don't know, 120-some Americans actually died. And um, something else very brief about that entire incident was that there was a, a war uh, going on between Germany and Britain. And, um, you know, in the propaganda of the time, here was just a cruise liner, just full of civilians, minding their own business, had nothing to do with war or Britain. And, of course, years later, they found out um, that actually the Lusitania was, um, unbeknownst to the public, of course, transferring uh, somewhere at least around 50 tons of various forms of uh, ammunition and military supplies. So they were actually doing double duty and they were in, involved in the war 
although certainly not, again, conveniently kept from the public eye, that it was, um, you know, it's basically the equivalent of, I don't know, a drug mule or <laughs> what have you at the time. But regardless of that, the point was, was that in its sinking, um, it served its purpose as an excellent propaganda tool to kick off the entire propaganda machine to uh, hate the Germans. Uh, suddenly, you know, the, the, the Germans or the Huns, as they were also called, uh, where it was, you know, Satan incarnate. And uh, so, you know, flip the switch and we go from isolationist to uh, young men um, in absolute in droves signing up to, uh, you know, get themselves killed. Um, and Wilson was very happy about this. And, you know, again, he has to play the role. Well, you know, we we really, really didn't want to do this, but and in reality, what's what's known now after the fact is that they they were just licking their lips, him and his bosses, the industrialist, um, just praying for a for a mass for a pretext, and it came. And so that is the carrot because you turn the mass of public sentiment in that direction and then you have united front and then you have cooperation in other words on mass it's how you get people on board to do your bidding when in this case actually they should not have been doing their bidding at all but that is the very oversimplified uh take on that and what all i'm trying to illustrate is what is needed via propaganda to generate a, uh, a change in public opinion? And that's basically a change of 180 degrees. And any, by any means, however it's done, the important thing is that it gets done. Now, we fast forward many many years this would have been i guess it began somewhere in the rain it was with chairman mao's china and i think this was from the years or 19 the mid 1950s when he instituted um his his brilliant idea i'm joking of course was called the great leap forward and one of the many uh changes that were made um, was the collectivization of farms. And like it or not, you're no longer going to have your own plot of land and take care of you and your family. Nope, we're going to collectivize them. And again, a very long story short, the end result of that alone, just, just the collective farming, this is not the other policies, that were also simultaneously instituted. But somewhere um, between 15 and like 60 million people starved to death. Now, I, I know that there's a huge, uh, a huge variation in, 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 the, in the numbers, and I don't know the reason um, I just did a, a, a very brief search on this, but that's that's the current uh, numbers I came up with. But uh, I know some of the details and I've watched other pieces and read other pieces of information. And we're talking about hunger and starvation that no American, including myself, could possibly even imagine. People eating the bark off of trees and grass, you name it. I mean, it was absolutely horrible. The bigger point is that needlessly, stupidly, which came from Mal, is that 
and an, an ungodly number of people horrifically starved to death. Okay? Okay. The difference, the difference though, between this action, that was the stick, versus the whole uh, propaganda of what took place, say, in the U.S., with Wilson and the sinking of the Lusitania, it's much more refined. It's much more refined and shifting opinion and and through that. But in the case of Mao, um, this is a you know of course it was a extremely um, um, authoritarian regime. So they didn't you could you know when you have a very, very uh, authoritarian regime, you don't have to go through so much public opinion polls and do this thing very slowly or even, you know, any pretense of any thought. You simply give the order and you either follow through with it and you're, or you're shot. Uh, that's it. And so... Just to get back to um, what happened in the situation with the famine in China was um, when he decided to do this as far as collectivization, that there was this, he also simultaneously had this cult of personality that he could do no wrong, but also uh, party officials, lesser officials, all the way down the line, all the way to the, you know, what became the leaders of the collective farms. Basically, they got the message loud and clear. Uh, do not go against the wishes of Mal. And he wants to hear happy news. Doesn't want to hear bad news. And so, once this uh, process took over, and then reports had to be made about the various, all of these throughout the country, these um, these communes that, and that became collective uh, for, you know, grains, um, they either wanted to meet or exceed yearly uh, grain output to make everyone happy, and it has the, I've seen many, many, you know, vintage films, propaganda films from China of that era of just uh, him uh, visiting various provinces and, and just being showered with applause and congratulations because these officials, they kept increasing um, the numbers to Mao and his immediate uh, bureau chiefs that uh, just the yields were just increasing exponentially and, and fantastically. And of course, that made Mao and his cohorts very happy. The only problem was, it was complete bullshit. And either, at best, they were either uh, breaking even to the previous harvest as far as grain, or significantly less. And all of this was strictly because of force of law and trying to appease their leader. And this is the problem with that. So that's what I meant by, as just a very brief historical precedent, if you will, that either in either direction, the carrot or the stick, oftentimes, actually more often than not, the consequences of a stupid idea are the same. You get a stupid result. That's it. it and depending on what it is we're talking about, um, the consequences can be, you know, relatively minor or... You know, perhaps they, they more or less, maybe, if you're lucky, they stay neutral. But generally, no. Generally, things go from bad to worse. And that's because if your foundation is essentially stupid to begin with, 
if you're having a failed foundation, a failed operational premise, then the things that follow through, if you continue to operate within that structure, um, is it's end up going to end up in failure. This would be like if I were, I guess if I were to use an analogy, let's say, let's say you want to build this, um, you know, fairly fairly nice home, and the person who is in charge from start to finish, or let's say you know a foundation specialist, and they do the various calculations that they have, and they. And they try to explain to you that, uh, well, yeah, that's all great and good. But the problem is that we either need a far more substantial foundation or simply this soil in this area, it simply will not support the home or the structure or building or whatever the hell it is you want to put on it due to various factors involving the soil and you know soils have various rates of uh, how much tonnage they can support due to so many other factors involved but you know if it's relatively soft soil there's going to be sinkage and then the sinkage can be uneven and it's complex but it is a reality. And if everything, no matter if it's, you know, fairly modest or to the most gigantuan structure there is, it doesn't matter what you put on it. Eventually, it will fail. The foundation must be appropriate for the structure that you want to put on top of it. So you build a house, and a few years later, you start having cracks because the house is leaning, and the walls start cracking, or you're having this problem, and eventually, you got just so many problems with the house that you uh, raise the house to the foundation, and you say, okay, well, screw that. Well, we're just going to build another house. Well, if you build another house particularly even if it's a larger house, no matter what you do with the house, if the problem is the foundation, well, I don't think I need to draw you a literal picture here. And that in turn brings us to this article and it's concerning the population in China and the economy. And it was, it, I found that it was striking in that basically what we have here is to use that analogy, a very poor foundation. And you keep putting things on it, keep building things, keep applying things. And they keep failing, and then you keep scratching your head and wondering why, and then you're blaming, you go off, as people in denial do, and you start shooting in every direction as far as cause and effect is concerned. You'll go in any direction to any lengthy explanation, when in reality, the problem is actually the foundation Yet nobody will fucking talk about that. And that in turn leads me to the foundation. The foundation, the foundational problem here that is not being discussed or addressed is that you simply cannot, the, this foundation is, it's just not to use a modern term, it's not sustainable. Even in China, which for they can call to the public, they've been using this shit for 50 years now. They're not a communist country. They're a capitalist country. They're communist in name only. Their whole thing is capitalism. Okay? Okay. 
And they keep trying to model their society based on the West. And the problem is, if they would just look at America, they would quickly discover that uh, with a little tap on the shoulder from reality and saying, uh, you know, wait a minute. Um, Yeah, this is ultimately a Ponzi scheme. This is a Ponzi scheme of resources and of people and it's failing here so you might not want to model your entire uh, existence or your systems even even if it's just partially but um, nope not working here it's not well let's say let me preface that. When I say not working, I mean it's not working for the majority of its citizens who can't afford anything, especially a home. And we have record numbers of homeless everywhere. Those are the disposables. Those are the one that those are the ones that we don't give a rat's ass about, don't have the time, don't have the resources, and they just keep piling up. Like bags of trash that you refuse to dispose of properly or, you know, or whatever, but they're just in your yard till you keep putting them out there and you ignore it and you ignore it and you ignore it until one day your back door, you can't open it because the trash is piled up all the way to the back door. Same thing. So what I'm getting at here is that you have an economic system that is a one it's a one-way valve it only works forward it only works and is predicated upon endless growth and for a whole host of reasons numbers of reasons you can't have that it's simply not sustainable it's not sustainable not just to human life but to life period it's one of the most um at this point, at this stage, it's one of the most genocidal policies for the world you could imagine. Yet they keep dinkering and tinkering with it and, and adjusting inflation rates. And, 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 and no, no, it, it's, it's not tenable. Need something else. Well, fortunately, I've got a few words to say about that. Because the only thing, and if, you, if you're listening to this, not only, first of all, if you think it's, if you think it's that great, tell, tell someone, preferably a young person, to see what they think. But at least they can hear this. But um, if... Um, it's a situation where we have the reality of existence, which reflects and is directly proportional to resources. And anytime an organism outstrips its resources, one way or the other, there's going to be a mass die-off. So it's not a question of a bunch, again, a bunch of, uh, you know, political nitwits and and social people, the professionals talking, well, if we did this and they're, they're talking and they're debating and they're there, but they're, they themselves usually you'll find they have themselves, they've got their sufficient cut of the cake, so to speak, you know, and they're very, as, as they're eating a fine meal, they can, oh yes, well, we really do need something to do about this housing problem oh oh have you tried the tiramisu it's very good yes <laughs> you know your npr types that's what i call them but the thing is this lack of resources is the great equalizer eventually it'll tap you on the shoulder and um yeah this i i suppose 
this could be the reason why for several years now that we've been and there's been such a huge um increase with all of these dystopian style movies and series you know stuff on netflix and um you know the walking dead things of this ilk it's very dystopian it's very bleak dark black because that's where things are you cannot have if you take anything away from this here's the rules i didn't make them rule of existence okay i did not make this it is what it is when you outstrip a given area's resources you die <laughs> it's that's it's that friggin' simple folks um th those are the those are the laws the immutable laws of existence and it simply is what it is and as far as technology yeah that's great and you can at least on a temporary uh basis you can you can uh, improve lives as we've shown that yes we know we can but overall in the long haul again it's a band-aid and what all of this is stemming from root cause that is not addressed it's never talked about is what i have said for a number of years there are too many damn people on the planet i don't know how to be more concise and specific now we're past 8 billion and again no end in sight the prevailing religion and it has become a religion, by the way, is capitalism. And we wanted to spread this, this, this insanity. And we successfully did that to all, you know, all the industrialized nations and places like India. Yeah, I mean, places you could argue that certain places have uh, increased, at least temporarily, a standard of living. Okay. But it is their incessant drive and need to still live a Western-style life. And in order to do that with the current population, we would need the resources of about five Earths. That is not an exaggeration. And that is the reality that we're dealing with. And by the way, I'm sure you people are aware. I know my listeners are because you guys are, well, let's just say I think you're a bit brighter than the oligarchs that are in charge of us. Um, we don't, we can't just look around the corner. We don't have another five Earths just laying around somewhere. Oh, yeah. Oh, we need this. We need that. Oh, yeah. Let's just go over here. It's right next door. Yeah, we'll just use. We don't have that. Because in its most simplest terms, the only thing that wants to reproduce unimpeded, again, one direction, not both, it is ultimately parasitic in nature. All it does is reproduce endlessly. And that's like a virus or cancer. Um, I would argue, by the way, that's for another time. But for all intents and purposes, that's what cancer is, as far as I'm concerned, unofficially. Um, you know, if it walks like a duck, talks like a duck, you know the drill. So anything, it just wants to exponentially just keep growth because that is the only that is the only uh that is the bible of capitalism's endless perpetual growth so in order to do that growth and production you need wait for it drum roll i can't do that conveniently but um you need population growth you 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 see the logical fallacy here right i assume you do 
it's a vicious cycle and a vicious circle. The only difference is, is that while you're circling, it's getting hotter and hotter and unbearable. There is a way to do this, hopefully, hopefully, rationally, as logically, and with a plan, with an actual plan. We need to, first and foremost, depopulate the population. Okay? I'll say it again. We need to drastically depopulate the population. We need to get down functionally. Um, and it can be done uh, fairly rapidly um, to around $2 billion. There. I said it. As outlandish as that sounds. You may laugh. You may scoff. Oh, there's there's just no way. Well, here's here's what reality is telling you. I'm just a mouthpiece talking, but here is the thing. Again, um, you see, nature doesn't give a damn. Nature doesn't care what you want, and you're in like a child, like your infinite wants. You know, like the female of the species, let's say, and she just thinks that with, without a thought about resource consumption or anything, they talk about that like they're buying a, a friggin' uh, litter of puppies. Well, I have two puppies. Well, I, I, I really, I just love these puppies. I think I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get two more. And the thing is, I guarantee you, Human beings, the life cycle, assuming they live to a ripe old age, I don't know, in their 80s or more, let's just say, uh, cradled to, cradle to, to death, uses an unbelievable amount of, of resources. And if it were just a question of water, you know, splitting hairs here, the earth being predominantly water, there's tons of water. Water isn't the problem. The problem is that's all salt water. And only, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe the Earth only has around 3% fresh water. And you start dividing that up, and it's 8 billion plus people and climbing every moment of every day. Uh, yeah, guess what? Someone's going thirsty. Or the fresh water they do have will be due to, again, overpopulation. You're constantly going to have problems that associated with dirty water, such as, for instance, cholera. These things aren't going to go away. So what I'm saying, what the Earth will do, again, tapping on this thing with COVID is just a, an annoyance. That's, that's nothing. Because, you know, we did have it before. It was called the Black Death. This is where people were just literally dropping dead, dropping like flies. Couldn't keep up with the burials past a certain point. You know, it wiped out, I don't know, a third of Europe in real short order. The next thing, the next real thing that comes around, you know, it could be, it, it could make that look like a Tupperware party. Now, <clears throat> this is going to happen. It doesn't take, you know, a rocket scientist, and I'm certainly not that. But, you know, it's one way or the other. Again, with nature, it's the carrot or the stick. It either, the place that you want to live, it either has the resources to support you or your small family, or it doesn't. That's why... Many, 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 many years ago, um, you know, 100 years ago or more, you know, they were looking to stake out some land. They first checked it out. They looked and is there a creek or is there a stream? How's the how's the hunting? How many, uh, you know, various uh, wild animals were around for hunting? Everything has to be planned. And, you know, land that was pretty much shit and barren, well, you didn't, if you, if you were 
lucky enough to to pay for it uh, or or whatever circumstances or you stole it from someone or what but that's what you want to go for they're they're in other words without going off onto yet another subject but i'm saying there is a reason why when uh we the the establishers of this nation when we obliterated the native americans indians uh, and they were subsequently put on reservations. Well, guess what? Look around, like the uh, dead man lands of the you know Dakotas and whatnot. Let's just say they weren't given um, the best land. Matter of fact, let's more accurately say this: they put them on the most shit land, worthless land. They picked out and they looked at it and it's like. Mm, yeah, this pretty much looks like shit. Okay, we're going to put you guys here. But see, the thing is, <clears throat> those days of cutting up and carving up the world and, and so forth, that ended a long time ago. Because, well, I think it's pretty obvious um, through technology, we pretty much know what resources we have and where they are and where the U.S. stands in this whole mess. And um, we've used policies for the last, I don't know, at least 70 years or so that uh, if whatever resource we want that we don't have, then we send uh, negotiators to negotiate for those resources Kind of like, you know, if a mobster really wants something that you have that they don't. And so, you know, they send a couple of their boys around to um, politely ask you if you would like to share those with him and uh, with with their boss. And of course, um, then they have other means if you decide not to, they have other means to sway your your attitude to make you more cooperative. So we've done that. And the powers that be France did that. Britain did that, did that a long time ago, still doing it. But I mean, really, they were really in their game, you know, 80, hundred years ago, let's say, you know, when Britain, what was actually an empire, that kind of, that kind of thing. But those days are long gone. And uh, now um, we have this runaway, we're, they're caught in this quandary. The oligarchs don't know what to do because up until this point with the old game, um, and they made sure that they introduced religion as much as possible. But the idea is to crank out those babies, just crank out because each one of them means more and more people and more people that you have and you pack them in cities and then they're dissatisfied and they live in squalor and da, 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 da. then they need a job. So they need to work in your factory. And, um, but meanwhile, the quality of life for all them people well, that just keeps going down. And this is not just, this is where we're at today in the U.S. and, of course, the rest of the world. As far as, you know, even, I'm, I'm particularly, I'm talking, of course, the so-called industrialized nations. So, yeah, to keep the Ponzi scheme going, they need to increase the population. However, it's gotten to the point where it is the the, 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 the logical fallacy is literally killing us. We have horrendously overpopulated. And this planet, this what we have, quite simply cannot sustain these numbers. Period. And so, what it's saying is, in its own way... As it does, <laughs> we could do this logically and cooperatively, or you're going to have, again, constant wars, constant strife, constant ghettos, constant problems, constant death, uh, particularly with the wars. It's, it's, you know, what's it going to take? More thermonuclear war? Because it's real easy 
especially in America. See, we're not so hip to this whole thing because the, you know, things are getting bad. Yeah, we got, you know, a boatload of homeless people, but overall, you know, it's not like living in the slums of Calcutta, not yet. Hasn't gotten there yet. But the difference with the U.S. in particular, and I'll say the U.S. and Canada, at least for that matter, and, uh, you know, from going at least from, let's say, the time of the Second World War, we have not experienced, for instance, what Ukraine's experiencing. We have not done that. We have not been through that. We have not had our our homes and factories and businesses bombed to oblivion. So, yeah, I mean, when your family is suddenly, you know, you're carrying out, uh, you know, their bodies from the, the house that was blown to smithereens because you're involved in this, or, or someone's flying over you and, you know, dropping bombs. We have not experienced that not yet but it'll be coming one way or the other it'll be coming it's coming now it's basically creeping in we with our homeless and and uh i don't know how many umpteen millions of young people that have no prayer no freaking prayer whatsoever of getting an affordable home okay okay so those are some of the realities now i was going to say well what's a solution i'm just going to touch on this what you need besides direct democracy that's a really good start is you need a zero what i call a zero-sum economy now no, this is not communist. So if you have that silly thought or if someone who's some, you know, um, uh, very ignorant, I don't know, quasi right wingers. Oh, he's talking communism. Oh, I tried that. Oh, this guy, he's a communist. No, I'm no communist. No, he's a socialist. No, it isn't that. Not in its classic form, anyway. Not saying that we can't have a, a system of profit. But like anything else that's controlled in nature, it must be bridled. Because if it isn't, you end up with what we have today. A few people at the top who have a whole lot and a whole hell of a lot of people on the bottom that, by comparison, they don't have a pot to piss in. And so, yeah, you have to have a system, first of all, that is not predicated on the genocidal policies of perpetual and endless growth. Period. That's it. So, carrot or the stick, we can have. It, it may probably won't be from any one single thing. It's not, I'm not saying a, an, a super plague or a super bug is uh, going to happen, although it could. Because this is something that just seems to happen of any organism, not just not just humans, but any critters, when it just happens that there's really, really toxically overpopulated some new mysterious disease, something that is an equalizer, and it wipes out, I don't know, maybe 80 or more percent of the population. That's nature's way of tapping you on the shoulder getting your attention because that is what happens and we can as i said before we can do this um in a uh 
try to do it as, as reasonably and rationally as possible, and it needs to be changed. And we have, we switched to a direct democracy, as far as what you'd call representation. And we need a zero-sum economy. And also, in addition to that, it's a zero-sum economy, and it is home-based. And this idiocy of getting applesauce for instance, from China. That's just one example of, of just the extreme. If you want to talk about the extreme level of poverty and whatnot, that, again, the owners of the companies, for a very brief example, they take our apples that are grown here. We ship them. If it isn't China, perhaps it's some other, you know, Asian, maybe it's Taiwan or or. Um, what have you, but the point is it's shipped a very long distance. Then it's turned into applesauce. Then it's shipped back. Now, if on the surface, if there's something about that that seems incomprehensibly stupid and wasteful, well, you're you're getting it. <laughs> Because that's what the hell it is. Well, what did you think about that? I'd really like to hear what you have to say. So go on over to my website, theearnestmanshow.com, and put down your two cents worth. And while you're there, Please feel free to listen to any and all the episodes you like. Plus, check out the other interesting things on my website. Until next time, this is Ernest saying take care. I'm out of here. <laughs>